new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. What is happening? Welcome back to another Sunday. Wow, Sunday already. Just like that. End, we blink and it's over. End of the year. I think there should be like an end of the year show today. I think we should talk about like, I don't know, maybe to summarize the rest of the, the whole 2020 real estate market. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. And considering all the articles this week were basically you know, summaries of the year or uh, predictions for next year, it would be extraordinarily fitting that we follow suit. And I don't know that we have much of a choice because there's not too much else going on that we haven't already talked about. Like, yeah, Yeah. tell me what's going on. Well, there's less news out there right now, right? There's, um, Oh, I thought you said lots of news. People are, people are working, um, on getting uh, away they're trying to they're trying to shut it down so they don't want to start releasing new reports and bringing out new information and stuff you know unless it, it involves the um the current situation um most of the other stuff like you know economic and monetary and um you know stuff like that related to the housing market they're just like maybe we should pick this up back in january <laughs> coming up let's let's figure this out next year it seems to me especially uh, from my perspective, that nobody has a fucking clue what they were talking about all year last year, especially us. <laughs> so twenty twenty, this well, whole year, the ev- predictions. Everyone was wrong. How Toronto real estate defied all expectations in twenty twenty, unless of course someone has video proof that they said that this thing was gonna keep going and go gangbusters if only that exists nobody could have seen this coming could they if only if only they said that we had a housing supply issue that there was not enough houses for people to live in that we did not create enough supply when we had the opportunity and there will be a shortfall in places for people to live uh, allowing for competition to be able to flood the market and raise prices. Who would have said that? Who would have said that? Now, I mean, we did come into it like that. Okay. Right? We but, came, we came but most people were saying like, geez, you're going to have people going broke and everyone's going to lose their houses. And, you know, by the end of 2020, we're all going to be uh, homeless. We're all going to make that decision. Should we take the survey? Let's take the survey, sure. What's the survey? No, no, no. How um, many so homeless people do you know right now? Today, today, just I just talked to the people in my household and everyone decided that they wanted to keep a roof roof over their head and that they were willing to they're willing to do what it takes in order to do so. What does that mean? What does it take? <clears throat> what does it take for At your family house, uh, to dishes do dishes and uh, laundry? <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. They so, clean up their rooms. They can stay here. So in, fine. in order, though, for dad to afford for them to still have a place, all they have to do is the dishes? Well, then that side of the equation uh, falls on me. That That's a significant part of the equation, I, I, I find. I, uh, so, so far. I mean, I tried to work that out with the, um, with the property tax collectors. I said, look, I said, if one year I wanted to not work, and just not pay these property taxes, but my son was going to do the dishes every single week. Would that be, you know, some sort of compensate compensation for for those taxes? And um, they never got back to me. That's Strange. shocking. Shocking Strange. that the government didn't get back to you. They're so know. good at responding quickly. Normally, yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for my. They sent for... a mental health unit over to the house. 
but you know i didn't hear back from the property tax people my house is a mental health clinic <laughs> officially or non-officially it is the fact so, so if we go back to sure. february or let's say march end of march even early april like the sky was falling all hell was gonna break loose just like you're saying and, and now what we have is like two totally like depending on where you stand in this real estate market or in the spectrum like what what, what business you're in you could be like rolling in more dough than you've ever seen or scrambling to try and figure out what the fuck you're going to do next week to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If you can afford Christmas presents, you know, like yep. it, for some people it is like dire. And for some people it's just like, yep. I'm making money, honey. Yep. Yep. Saving money. Like they've never saved before at a rate that, the, that we haven't seen for decades. I think since like the early eighties and, um, nowhere to go to spend it. Right. Like that's the, that's really like the biggest part about all this. I think whenever we go into a recession, people start to really be cautious with their money and they learn really, you know, good, valuable lessons. Like the people who came out of the great depression, you know, were really fiscally responsible, you know, for the rest of their lives. Right. Like you had, you had a really long time of, uh, of, of making sure you stretched every dollar or I guess penny at that point um that's a so totally now, different world though like that was a world where money actually meant something and had a value and now it seems like money money is very different now you back when you're talking there wasn't a mortgage like you had to save up two thousand dollars to buy your house mm -hmm. right you, had to, you yeah. had to save pennies and dimes like for real to save mm -hmm. up to buy your house and now it's like now, now people that are like, like teachers have million dollar houses, townhouses, mm -hmm. right? I think, I think mortgages started in the, in around the great depression. I think that was one of the times that they were starting to figure out how to, how to make, um, loan processes work. Yeah. Right. But again, you're, you're right though. That that's no one wanted one. <laughs> no, they that needed one be because of it, because of the depression, right? They, that, yeah. that's probably what started mortgages. Yeah, but um, these people we, are we fucked. We're gonna fuck them even harder. <laughs> the the recession is is trying to get people right now back on track with saving and spending and doing all these things. And part of that equation is because there's nowhere to go. You have nowhere to spend the money. And so, you know, a lot of the news articles I have been talking about is unleashing our savings and like what's going to happen in 2021. Which maybe we can talk near the end of the show about you know our our predictions for next year, but. If we just unleash the amount of money that people have saved, you know, we could have one of the best economies we've ever had in 2021 pending, you know, everything's back open and everything else as well, right? Like there's just that much money sitting around right sure. now to well, deploy. Yeah, that's what that's what the government is talking about uh, as stimulus basically is like preloaded. So they gave everybody the stimulus, everybody not everybody, but a lot of people were smart enough to save money in this time. And now they're like, the next round of stimulus will actually be coming from you. You're going to put yeah. it into the economy. Isn't that great? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's, it's what we need to do in order to, be able to keep things going. But that's what it's for. Yeah. But I think that's going to take um, a while. I think that the sentiment is um, things are not going so well. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know if uh, interest rates are going to go up. So I want to be careful and I don't want to go crazy and maybe go on these lavish vacations or, or, or do something that I can't, um, I can't, um, you know, be responsible for. And uh, I'm going to hang on to that money a little bit longer. So it's going to be a little bit of a slower economic recovery than I think everybody or that what's possible. 2021 is not going to be the, the boom year that we 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 need or that we're hoping for it's going to be a slow gradual increase back into all right maybe this thing is behind us because they keep releasing these stupid articles online like the negativity that people love to bring like you can have like a like the most successful 
um, situation in any part of the world where they're battling the current situation really, really, really well. And then they'll just have like this one one-off case or this one-off situation that now will make these headline news that it'll be like, there's a new mutation in the, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> you know, like what? Are, like why are we trying to scare people like that? You know, did like, you it's, did you hear about that though? I didn't even want to bring that up, but yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's like they're 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 saying that just to get everybody. Oh no, maybe we aren't going to be able to get through this, you know. And it's like it's really sad that that's going to ma- be making news probably for the next year, and that'll keep on uh, keeping people's money in their pocket, unfortunately. I don't know how much longer I can like stay in this house. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm starting to go a little crazy. I can see yeah. I, can, I can see the deterioration of most things, but like just I can see that the four of us are much more irritable than we've been in the past. Of course, yeah. Everybody's a little short these days. Yep, you can't even go out for lunch just to you know breeze down the road to the. Local bakery. Yesterday, we just went for a drive to go look at some nice houses up in Woodbridge. Beautiful. And we got harassed by the security guard on a, <laughs> on a private street. Anyways, but uh, like, sir, why... this is not the basketball court, uh, you know, for the public. Can you please stop uh, shooting hoops on my client's driveway? We were just, oh, just sorry. we were just driving around, and the security sure. guard. Just... Sure, you're playing a game of tennis in their backyard. He was just. Well, we didn't have rackets, but there was plenty of there was plenty of uh, of, uh, of of tennis courts in this area for sure. Like this place, this area was unreal. I don't even know where yeah. we were. Unbelievable. Yeah. But just to your point, like not not only negative stuff about uh, health issues. Like you've got articles that are saying RBC's worst case for Canadian real estate is a price drop of nearly thirty percent. I know. I know. You have, you know, Toronto prices, uh, rent prices are down a whopping 20% since last year. I mean, it's true, but I hate this negativity. But I, you know what? We've talked about it before. I get it now. Like, just because of the analysis from our, our teeny tiny little show, like from the stats, there mm-hmm. is such a gigantic difference in viewership if the title of the episode is negative so mm-hmm. it's clickbait it's all what well, it, it no it's it's attention grabbing and that's what they're trying to do same I mean, thing yeah right so, so it's, it's much it's much different than so when when print media was the way that everyone was getting their articles then it's like okay well we're gonna have that headline on the front of the paper but then everything else inside we've already got them to pick up the paper they're gonna read it so it wasn't necessary. Yeah. But now, because of the way that websites are laid out and ads are laid out and that you know each thing needs to have their own um, headline, that's, the, what, that's what sells. And then they're able to track it. So before, you could be the most honest journalist in the world and you're making like the most you know, clear-cut headlines on, on, on titles of each one of your articles, but nobody's reading your articles, right? Sure. They know about it. They know about you. Maybe they mention it, but really nobody reads your articles and they don't really know. Now they get to see how many people have clicked the article. Sure. So now they got to go like, Daryl, you know that those articles you've been writing lately, I mean, your, your, your ratings are down big time. So I think what's, you know, what we're going to have to do is let you go unless you can increase the amount of clicks you get. What would you do, Daryl journalist? Look, I, I already just tend to try and make, you know, our thumbnails and our titles disastrous so that we get more views. Yeah. Because who wants less views? Who wants less clicks? Who wants... Less ratings. Yeah. And I mean, for, less income. for the people writing these articles, it translates into dollars, right? Revenue. Absolutely. So, That's it. So, I mean, um, how good or bad would things be if that were not the case? Would, would that change... The, the economy, would that change the market? Yes. I think so too. Mm-hmm. It would change everything. I think it would change everything, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, human behavior. And, and I don't know how anybody isn't confused. I mean, so we have, you know, the, the article I just mentioned, and then we have uh, unexpected real estate boom may only be calm before the storm. So when I read this headline, I'm like, 
Calm before the storm sounds like something's about to get really bad, right? And scary. Storms are not good. Let's get into that. Well, but what the article's actually talking about is, uh, well, I guess if you're trying to make money in real estate or own real estate, this is a good storm. Because this is saying that things are going to get bananas next year. Bananas. Bananas. Because of... Yeah, 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 yes. That is bananas. <laughs> so, but, go on. Cheap money, right? Low mm -hmm. interest rates, uh, more stimulus, uh, guarantees of low interest rates till 2023, uh, yep. and a vaccine. These are all things that at least this gentleman is saying will lead to something even crazier than what we've seen this year. I agree. I agree also. I agree. We'll get into our predictions for 2021, but let's go into what has happened this year. We started the year January, February, first two weeks of March. We couldn't keep up. Buyers just kept on coming out. Some of our listings were getting 200 plus appointments booked. We were getting 20, 30 offers, oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars over asking, condos. way more than any other sale in the neighborhood. Condos were selling out in the first two days. Condos, 20 offers. You can't get it. You can't even get inside. If there's no offer date, it's like it's it's gone within seconds. If there is an offer date, you're competing with 20 different people, Yeah. right? The worst of the worst are selling for prices that had never sold before before. That's what we were seeing the first two and a half months of this year. Yep. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then, I mean... March 17th, state of emergency. But death, right? Instant death. And then back, back to normal. Well, March 17th, let's not jump ahead. March 17th came and we saw... Um, Basically, everybody ordered to be inside. Many condos were telling us uh, no more showings. Uh, people were taking their homes off the market. Buyers disappeared. It literally went from 100 back down to zero. Yeah. So it took until the end of May for um, stage two of the reopening or stage one, whatever, the reopening to start happening. Did we start at stage two? We started stage two or started stage one, whatever it I was. I think probably makes sense that we started stage one. <laughs> probably but... started 8.1, whatever. <laughs> so we went into the, we went into the, re, the reopening, but I'm not sure exactly when things started to pick up again, if it was stage one or stage two. But either way, we started having the reopening again, and then people started to realize that they were cramped in their condos, that they didn't have a big enough house, that they wanted a pool, and that the pool companies were already booked up, that they... Uh, you know, wanted a main floor office that they shouldn't have done open concept living space. All these people had different reasons to move and they started to come out of the woodwork. Sure. But I don't think it did. It did it take till May before that really started happening? Did it End like of May. And yeah. the last week of May when, is when I first started. So I remember working with some buyers and we got this great property. Um, we sold the first week of June and we bought the last week of May. And we were able to go in, negotiate a good price and the guy didn't have an offer date. We bought it like the first day on the market. And I remember saying to them, I said, he doesn't know, this agent doesn't know that things have reopened up. But because we had so many different listings at that time, we started seeing crazy spikes in activity again. We were just, our finger was on the pulse. So I had this, I had this sort of inside information on the market where I was like, wow, I'm like, this guy doesn't have an offer date on this property. So we bought it right away. Then we went and put our house on the market and that was the very first listing that I had that was just incredible. And um, I think that one, I don't think we hit 200. I, I, the people left for a week. They had, they had to go. They couldn't get out. They couldn't get back into their house from 9am till like 8.30pm every single day. I think it was 165 showing, something like that. Wow. And it sold for way more than anything else I'd ever sold for in the neighborhood. Right. So it was like, it was incredible. It was just like, this price didn't make any, didn't make any sense. So they got to buy at a good price and they, they sold at a top, a uh, fantastic price. So it was like, wow. All right. This this market's starting to change. And then June, it just started to take off. Record yeah. July. Record, 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 record. And then yeah. here we are in December. Breaking records again. So so the problem has not been, um, you know, there's more buyers 
interested in the properties. I think that there's been a certain group of buyers who have all come to the table at some point this year or have been playing with the idea of moving. So they're all just kind of like working on things, working on their financing. You know, maybe they were collecting CERB. They had to wait for their jobs to get more stable. Financing was a, lot, it was a very big issue middle of the year. Banks were kind of looking at people a little bit more carefully. So people have done what's necessary, added people on title to be able to get like a co-signer, um, gotten their job stability back, figured out what the bank is looking for to prove that they've got, you know, the income to support um, the debt service and everything else that they want to get into. And um, what just happened was those buyers were all still moving forward and they still are, but we just stopped seeing people put their houses on the market. Now you bring up co-signers and what I'm thinking as you're saying co-signers is, I mean, it used to be, I mean, it wouldn't be such a big deal to be a co-signer. I mean, let's just take somebody that worked as a waiter in a restaurant that's been around for 30 years. The guy's had a job there for 12, 15 years, steady income, good job, everything's beautiful, and dad or mom or father-in-law, somebody co-signed their mortgage, and now, boom, restaurants closed, guys out of work, like, that cosigner's on the hook, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There used to be guarantors. I'm sure there's still guarantors in some some markets, but I haven't I haven't dealt with any guarantors. I don't think I've ever dealt with a guarantor. Cosigner is the person's going on title with you. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, so I thought just, that that was the same thing. Okay. No, so the guarantor is just kind of like in the background saying we're, we're making sure that these payments will be made. Right, and that you can come and and collect from me afterwards. But the bank's like, no, no, no. I want your name on title. I want you to be one of the people who owes me the money. Right. Not backing up the people who owe me the money. I thought that my father-in-law co-signed my first house, but I don't remember him being on title. He could have been a guarantor. Yeah. Yeah, probably a guarantor. That could have been that. I, I like I said, in the last fifteen years, I've, I don't think I've ever done one or or know of one. Um. And I remember that that was a change that the, the mortgage guys were telling me. Uh, now, that was that was common. over 20 years ago. So exactly. So I don't know if it sense. was different then or what the hell the story was. But yeah, I'd, was, I'd, I'd be afraid that. to guarantee somebody's loan now for sure. Wouldn't you? At, at any point in time. Yeah, <laughs> that would be an issue for me. <laughs> but listen, right? I mean, that's going to be something that people are going to have to do more often, I would think. Like, it's hard. for How, how are these younger generations can afford to live here without a guarantee or a, a gift. Yeah. So I think the big one is bank of mom and dad. We've talked about that. So giving the kids money. So like the baby boomers, man, like I was just running the numbers the other day and just looking at, okay, average prices. So over the last 10 years, things have doubled, right? Over the last um, 20 years and depending on the neighborhood you're in, it could be three to four times right? Yeah. 30 years, you could be five or six times. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So if you're a baby boomer and you're still living in that house that you bought in the early nineties or whatever for $250,000 yeah. and it's worth 1.5 now, six times. Oh yeah. You've done well. You've done, right? you've done pretty well. If you haven't drained it over the years, I suppose. <laughs> and bore sure. it against and lived it like it was an ATM. Not everybody's like that, but you're right. That's possible. I, I I would imagine that some people are definitely like that. But yeah, most people aren't like that. Why? Why? I mean, I, I guess you'd be... So that money. Yeah. That money, though. That money. That That's that's like a huge amount of um, people's equity. Those those assets, they're, they're massive. The difference is the generation before the baby boomers... When I'm when I'm dealing with them, they keep their house that they paid sixteen thousand dollars. Though we won't even get into the metrics of what <laughs> what that generation earned on their on their real estate, um, but they keep their house and they don't really give up a lot of their equity until they pass. And they because yeah. they're because their children are doing okay, the baby boomer generation, right? At least maybe three out of the four of them are. And then so when the estate goes in and we're selling the estate. The, the whole the whole amount of value to that house then gets distributed amongst the the um, estate and whoever whoever the will says gets their share right and that's when those gen the, the baby boom generation unlocks their um, inheritances I think it's just going to be a little bit different now 
and that people when they move so when they go from the city and they say i'm a baby boomer now it's my time this is why a lot of the small towns in ontario are getting uh, a lot of activity the baby boomers are going and moving outside of the city because they're like enough is enough right they're going to peterborough they're going to barry they're going to wherever niagara on the lake during that transition they're saying all right i might as well keep my money in toronto real estate i mean look at how well it's done for me and I'm going to give it to my children to be able to help them finance their property, not co-sign for them. You can co-sign your own damn loan and figure out how much the bank's willing to help you with. But here's an extra amount of down payment to cover that extra cost of you buying. Right. Yeah, well, listen, people have been doing that for a long time already. I mean, it's just getting further and further out of reach. I mean, God. It was only the, the top of the upper middle class that was able to do that before. Sure. Now it's just like the average middle class baby boomer is able to do that. Right. Oh, right. Because of their increased equity in their house. Yeah. And their reasons to get out of the market. Makes sense? Yeah, of course it makes sense. I, I just don't know how even like, yeah, I mean, there's no way in hell my kids are going to be able to afford a house or a condo in this city without any help. Like they're going to have to make such huge salaries for so many years to save up and be able to afford everything that they're used to. It's crazy. This is why there's, this is why there's a lot of millennials um, in the stock markets. There's a lot of people who are, it seems like the, the, the millennial generation has got like some really good, uh, in, like they have a lot of interest in how to make money. Yeah, and they've been given a lot of tools to be able to make money fairly easily but yeah like i mean a hundred and fifty thousand dollars doesn't really do much these days right like wages just mean income even even if you end up in your pocket with that right i mean imagine the salary you need to end up with 150 grand at the end of the year yeah right but what i mean is like not just your income so like for us I think our generation in the in this between the baby boomers and the millennials, whatever generation you want to label people who are in their um, 30s and 40s right now, and maybe even 50s, really it was go and get a job, try to make, get it, get a solid income, buy some real estate, and there's your formula for retirement, right? If you get a good job, maybe there'll be a pension and and all that kind of stuff, RSPs, and you'll be okay. Bing bang boom. But I think the millennials now they're just like, whoa, that's not gonna work. I can't even get into the real estate market. First of all, my income is going to be, um, you know, controlled for the next 10 years. I'm really not going to be able to have, you know, maybe six figures or whatever their goals are to be able to get, um, you know, retired and everything else too. So they're like, all right, how do I, do I do a side hustle? Do I have stock, uh, stock investments? Do I look at, uh, you know, my YouTube channel? Like they have just so many more ideas. I think today to, to generate all these streams of income that weren't around when I was their age. Oh. Zen- like what's after millennials? What's what's Zennials or what's who's younger than that? Yeah, I don't. You're the teenagers know. now. I can't figure it out anymore. Those guys. Those guys have got way more information available to them than I did. Yeah, I mean, listen, my my son is 14 and he's got a YouTube channel. And listen, at the moment, it's not doing anything, but if if the kid keeps doing it for the next 5 years, yeah. Right. Just consistently. It, it seems yeah. to me that people find like their audience good yeah. or bad, like depend, like the content. I mean, there's people that will watch and listen to anything. Right. That are interested yeah. in anything. And lots of them. He can make a decent living. Right. Just making YouTube videos. If he keeps doing that for the rest of his life, if he's mm-hmm. really good at it, like some of these guys are making fortunes. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, the kids nowadays, they can open a Shopify store for 350 bucks and start doing drop shipping. Like there's so many different side things, hustles, yeah. but they're yeah. not even side hustles. If you do them properly, they're properly, they're, they're extremely profitable. But they've got these other, they've got these other, um, uh, sources of income though, right? Maybe it's a secondary source. Maybe it's a main source. I mean, Christ, if I was if I was 14 years old now, I would be doing YouTube, and that was that. I would just focus on that as hard as I could for the rest of my life. Go move so to I an saw island this the other somewhere. Day. 
the top the top the top internet celebrities in in the world like the the country with the most like that's like a job title is china okay so they have um <laughs> what's wrong i i'm trying to see why that's important oh because it just goes to show you so this is the income that was generated and i think i think the chinese yuan is like seven to one or something like that but um internet celebrity market 100 billion yuan what does that turn into in dollars four i don't know but it's billions billions yeah let's call it uh, 15 let's call it 15 billion so that, what are we saying that this is what's generated by that's the income that these just just internet people so it's like they have the most users people who have youtube channels people have social media accounts that they're generating income from sitting at home and doing things so i think the big thing that they were talking about is how that generation doesn't want to be tied down to a job they don't want to be working 40 hours a week in the same place they want to have flexibility and so what do you do? You start a social media account, you start an, an internet company, you start whatever it is to be able to get popularized. Yeah. And all you're doing is regular day stuff and people are watching it all day long and everyone's got phones and you got a 1.7 billion person market in China. And that's, that's, that's like a legitimate um, avenue for a career. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't need to go and buy real estate. You don't need to go and settle down for that career where maybe our parents would work the same job for 30 years, or maybe our grandparents would work the same job. Our parents would work three. Our generation would be, you know, we're going to work 10 different jobs, but we're always going to be looking for that security. I always want to know I'm getting a paycheck. I always want to know I'm going to have, like, I feel like that's pretty common. These new young kids, they're, they don't care at all. No, and I don't they're think like, they care so much. I'm living much. on the couch for the next three months. I don't care. Yeah, and they don't care about owning a house. They really don't. They just want to live no. somewhere. And I've seen so many younger kids uh, putting out videos about rent versus own. And, yeah. I mean, I watch them, and they make sense. And there's there's not as big a gap as there used to be, right? I have a new survey, Daryl. If, if they take it, if they take a, if they take like a 20, 30 year timeline and they compare two different people going down different paths, one renting and one buying, it ends up almost the same at the end. When they know, cause they know, they learn about investing. Well, you have to invest at a certain rate, you know, to, yeah. to, to, yeah, yeah, to be yeah. at par, but you can go on apps right now and buy like a 10th of a Tesla stock. Should have bought that in 2017. Oh, uh, should have bought it in 2019. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just had to buy it a year ago. Uh, um, so new survey here, okay? Out of all the millennials in this conversation, any, anybody under 30 in this conversation, how many of them feel like home ownership is a requirement? Hmm. No votes. Look at that. Zero. That's I, a great, great survey. I, I've been saying for a long time that I don't even understand it. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, if you have a chunk of equity, is it better off sitting in a house hoping that it appreciates because you don't want to pay somebody else's mortgage or mm -hmm. putting that into a business that can make you all the money in the world to buy whatever the heck you want to buy, house, boat, whatever? I 100% agree with you. If that's you. I'm, uh, there, there's just personality types who just don't have that in them. They need to go and work at a job with pension, with structure, and the only way they're gonna build wealth is through passive real estate investment, right? And that's, home ownership is gonna do that for them. But what I'm saying is, there's a much greater chunk of people in the younger generations who are not agreeing with that, where they're yeah. saying like, yeah, okay, I get it, and I've seen the numbers, and I know what my parents made, and I know what my grandparents made, but here, look at these numbers, look at this chart, look at this kid who invested in Tesla, and now he's a millionaire just from like a year ago. Look at this guy who has been putting his money into you know these uh, to getting these type of returns, and he's renting because he's only spending twelve hundred dollars a month. Your mortgage, twelve hundred dollars, is just like your property taxes, maintenance fee, da 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 da, right? Like. You're wasting your money there, boomer, right? And that's, that's, and, and they have a valid point. Well, and, and, and listen, I mean, they, they have the opportunity. If I, w w 20 years ago, if I owned an internet-based company and I didn't need a physical presence anywhere, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be living here anymore. 
right? No way. So, so, You'd be so, gone already. Right. So we have this whole generation who quite honestly should and probably is smarter than ours, right? Yep. They're educated. They have all these resources at their fingertips. Uh, a lot of them are just kind of stuck in the same mentality, I guess, because their parents are. But a lot of them are kind of fighting that because they'll go on. Like my kids challenge things all the time because they've seen things on TikTok or on YouTube. Like it's a different planet. It's a different world for them. So, so if you are, you know, online for your business, why the hell would you try and figure out how to buy a $1.2 million 500 square foot condo, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And that would be a really nice why? condo location to pay that. But I know what you're saying. No, yeah, well, you're living in a Pacific Island somewhere, you know, like Fiji or something like that. Like you're doing, you're doing it big. Like you're going to figure it out how to get out of this rat race. Why, why would you want to see snow other than like – on purpose for a vacation on tv <laughs> no but really like why would you want to live here i don't understand it i don't know I, more and more people are gonna start just moving like, i have you noticed i i noticed a while ago that americans they move around a lot right like they'll 100%. go to school in some other state and they'll get a job in a different state and they'll 100%. be moving all over the place but here in canada i don't find that people where to go no they're not nomads right but I think that's going to start now. People are going to start. Why not live like out west or out east? Why? I mean, look at Montreal. Montreal is the only place in Canada where the rents didn't go down. Like, why not move to Montreal and pay eight hundred dollars for, yeah. for for a nice place in a in a metropolitan city? I mean, if you can handle listening to French all day, raise your kids in a in a province where uh, post secondary education is like nothing. Yeah, or maybe somewhere that's not so dense that you don't have to worry about all this health stuff all the time, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, no, hundred, hundred percent. Like, so there's a there's a major change. Um, we haven't seen the stop in the demand yet in the market. Um, let's talk about what is really going on right now. Well, I love this article here. Canadian markets are seeing a real estate boom with population declines, which is really interesting, right? So okay. immigration is basically closed, right? Um, I guess people are dying. There's a lower birth rate. So overall, yep. like most of these populations are going down currently, but the prices are going up and the real estate's selling like crazy. But then mm -hmm. you have um, like CMHC warning that, you know, maybe it's not going to last so long in button like in Brettonville or wherever the hell, right? That it's booming. Like, like we were saying last week, Durham, Durham is booming. Right. And I mean, is, crazy, but is it going to continue once people start to be comfortable going out and not wearing masks again and are ready to go party and go to restaurants and you know, like I get it. Like yep. not, some not of the even demand will drop. Yeah. Some of the demand will drop. It is still going to be the most affordable part of the city though. Well, but are people going to be prices don't decline? Where do people gravitate to no matter what? Sure. The best prices. Sure. So, right. So, and those areas are developing too. They're bringing in more transit. They're bringing in more jobs. They're bringing in more uh, retail services. Right. So, so, but if the shift in behavior is solely caused by, I guess it's not, I guess it's accelerated. You're talking about right? urban sprawl. Yeah. We saw that in 2017. So Durham's maybe not a good example, but I would say Barrie, Kingston. But like all the, 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 okay, so this is another thing. So I, this morning I'm thinking, like maybe it's just a, like a cycle where, you know, we had urban, we had, we had den densification, intent, What's the word? Am I speaking English? We, we were making things more densely populated in the core. Yeah, densification. Yeah. Then we started urban sprawl. <clears throat> then we started to, to densify again. And now we're going back into maybe some urban sprawl. And now yeah. we're going to densify again. Like, is this just something that is going to keep going back for and sure. forth? Is it cyclical? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think... Durham, as, as one part of the, the, the um, conversation, is just one of those places that just has always been underdeveloped. Um, 
the West End, because you're near the airport, you just have all these businesses, all these jobs, all these towers, office towers and spaces where people are able to be working from. So it's always attracted more money. Um, the Pickering Power Plant sometimes was a concern for people. So they wouldn't want to live, you know, if they had the option of going to Mississauga or Pickering, they'd say, oh, I'm going to go to Mississauga because of the Pickering Power Plant. That's going to be shut down soon. That's going to be like a testing like training type of facility and stuff like that without any active reactors. Um, the airport in Pickering, they're, they're talking about, right? That That's possible. That that could come um, to the east end. And then the jobs will come, you know? Once the jobs come out to the east end, really the east end is underdeveloped. It's under... Um, uh, the, the density is lower than everywhere else, right? And that's going to that's gonna be now an opportunity for people to come out. But when we look at other places like... Barry, Kingston, Niagara, all these places, Hamilton, they're far commutes. So unless people are able to continue to work from home, that will be the change. Once that gets taken away and everyone has to go back to Toronto and go back to their offices and the companies realize that this whole working from home thing is not going to be as successful as they were hoping because of culture and timelines and overtime and legal issues and all that kind of stuff then yes, I, I agree that the, the demand for those outer uh, municipalities that are just kind of far out of reach will be a lot less. Maybe. Prediction. Prediction from TK. So hold on a yeah. sec. So before we get into our predictions, let's just briefly discuss a couple of more predictions. From well, other well, well, let's talk about what's going on in the market though, Daryl, well, right now. Which we definitely should. So hold on, let me start off with this. And then you can tell me the truth because here, look, there okay, is little the evidence Toronto real estate is overheating, CMHC. Yes. And what you said to Great me word for it. yesterday was- I agree with CMHC. You, you said the market was bonkers. You sent me a text yesterday saying the market's crazy. It has increased over the last 30 days in some areas- <clears throat> you know, we could be getting into double digits. What I'm seeing right now is insane. If somebody has a property that they've been thinking about selling, get it on the market as soon as possible. So how, hold on a sec. So you just told me, I just read yeah. something that says that there's no evidence that the market's overheating and you're telling oh, it me- says no evidence of overheating? There is little evidence Toronto oh. real estate is overheating. Is it CMHC? CMHC. Damn, we disagree again, CMHC. <laughs> okay, that's more like I thought we were on the same page for once. I was like, how am Jace. I? Who the hell am I talking to here agreeing with CMHC? I'm sorry, I, I misheard you. So, so is it possible that CMHC, who predicted that prices would decline by 18%, knows something that we don't know? CMHC has identified places such as Ottawa and Moncton as new pockets of overheating. Ooh, that Moncton market. Moncton, watch out, Moncton. <laughs> CMHC's got their eye on you. Yeah, let's not talk about CMHC today. Moncton. Let's not give them any more publicity. I'm telling you because I'm in the trenches and I'm looking at what offers are coming in. My deal of the week this week is a uh, property that was a semi down in um, Upper Beach area. Uh, we listed it for 800,000. We had, uh, 60 plus booked showings. We had, uh, half a dozen people interested on offer night and it sold a hundred thousand dollars over asking the same house next door sold a month ago for 863. What? We sold for 900. We sold for 900. Okay. Hold on a so second. So it sounds like, oh, that's only $40,000 more. You said but 850 and it sold for 100 over asking. In my math, that equals 950. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. We sold for 900. We listed at eight, 100 grand over asking. The neighbor sold for 863. So you sold for 35,000 more than the month previous. This exact same house. Wow. But theirs was renovated with a larger kitchen addition than ours no parking both places have no parking they had so it, it made no sense that it would be even worth 863 the, the when you have such recent market data it's a little bit different because there's not as much you know theorizing about the value or oh that one there this one it's like you got right next door sold a month ago 
and it's a better house. It's like, here you go. There's your data. Right? And someone said, nope, market's hot. I'm going to pay more. So to me, to me, they paid a far greater price than what um, places were selling for a month ago. Yeah, and it's not like it's like a $2 million house and somebody's like, just pay 35000 more than the, the next one, right? It's like no. it, it's on 800 or 850 whatever, 900 Yeah, like, yeah. the 100000 is over asking isn't the surprising part. It's just the actual number at the end of the day compared to what other was. And that was market value. Just so you know, there were several people all willing to pay this price. This is not like this one outlying buyer. This is like a group of people who all felt the same. That's what's more of a telling sign. When we sell properties and all of a sudden like this one guy is willing to spend 100 grand more than everyone else, it's like, all right, you know, sellers kind of got, you know, the best end of that uh, deal and, and good for them and, and we move on. Now we have a group of buyers all feeling the same way. The pressure's on, Christmas is coming, I want to get in there and I, we're all willing to pay this price and we all want to get into this neighborhood at this number. Yeah. Even though the data wouldn't support it. Listen, it's not like... It seems to me like everything is just kind of out the window and mm -hmm. like there's no rhyme or reason, nothing, no statistic, no fundamental stat, like nothing is going in the direction that it should be based on the reality that's happening, right? So Dur Durham region, Durham, 15%, Durham, 15% as of, um, uh, I think they said as of the end of November. But already I'm seeing Durham is going to be year over year average price, 20%. Okay. We started getting into that 20 to 30% average prices increases at the beginning of 2017. We're heading into the same type of market. And now the fuel is low interest rates. Um, the condo market isn't getting, isn't taking um, part of the pressure off, Right. So there's all these other units that the, the money's not going into right now that the condo market still hasn't recovered. So all this money is now being focused directly on the freehold market. And so, it's absolutely 100% going to be the best time to sell a property very soon. And if, and if people miss out on this, there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to change, and the government's already talking about it. So here, here's my chance to bring up the article. So this is in the Financial Post. <laughs> Uh, Bank of Canada governor wants to avoid housing policy mistakes of the past. He's already talking about the changes that people have made. They're already talking about that their goal is to maintain inflation, okay, and that is their their primary role, and that they two percent, two percent. They have they have politicians who are going to be. Um, so this is Bank of Canada. They have politicians who have those knee jerk reactions that create bubbles to burst right and part of their voting block is of course the population of homeowners who does not want prices to go down so they all want to keep on pressuring their politicians to make changes right but at the end of the day um housing housing is going to be getting out of control because of bank of canada's policies and they're not really focused on that at all so the only people who can step in are people who know absolutely nothing about the financial system, unfortunately, even though that's their job because they're, they're, they're thinking about, um, you know, issues that they shouldn't be really getting involved in. Right. So when the finance minister can come in and the, the politicians can come in and start making all these changes and saying, well, this is what's good for our economy because they think that that's their, that's their, their role as, as the politicians, they are the ones who create some sort of policies that allow for markets to change. And we had that already in 2017. I don't know what it is, but the, the knee-jerk reaction that they have had before creating unnecessary volatility, I believe is coming again. That's my prediction. I don't know what it is. I don't know how they're going to do it. We've already got the stress test. We've already got you know uh, qualification um, restrictions. We've already increased now with the vacant homeland tax. They're talking about the... Um, foreign buyers tax for like a national level. We've got the one on the provincial level. I don't know what it's going to be. You think that before we're considered recovered, they're going to throw another wrench in this thing? I think the government is going to make some sort of policy to try to stop these freehold prices from getting out of hand. Yes. 905 land transfer tax coming down. I don't know the what pipe. it is. Yep. I don't know what it is, but that um, 
that's what the flavor of this market seems to be having right now. That's how that's how out of control it is. And once those numbers start to pick up January, February, March, which is what's going to happen, that's when the government's going to step in and say, like, how do we stop this? How can we let somebody, because this is what it is, it's the poor first-time homebuyers who get punished the most. The ones who are taking on huge debts, the ones who are taking on huge mortgages, who don't have big down payments, who don't have a jo- lot of job security, and they're paying 600 for a house that used to cost four at the beginning of 2020. They're paying $900,000 for a house that was selling for 650 in 2019. Yeah. The government goes, that's a problem. We need to fix that. That shouldn't be happening. This is not good. And it isn't good. It isn't good. But that's the way the market's going right now. I don't think there's a good or bad. Like the whole thing is such a mess that it just is what it is. And you have to figure out how to play within it. The problem right now is that everything is changing so much, so quickly. Like when you go down to point two five percent interest rates for three years while handing out money that look you you a, a business can could a, could take a forty thousand dollar loan right interest free pay it all back and keep ten thousand dollars like that's free ten thousand dollars and all even if you mm-hmm. didn't need it you could take it pay it back keep ten grand serb like there's so many things like it's impossible for 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 the market not to be unpredictable. Like it's gonna be unpredictable for a while, and what's gonna keep happening is they're gonna keep throwing free money at people, cheap money at people, until we're considered recovered. And yeah, you're right. I I think you're right. I don't think it'll happen as soon as you think it will, but I think, I mean, that's what they do. The 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 Bank of Canada keeps their two percent interest rate somehow i don't know what is only inflation target inflation no but i don't know what's only going up two percent but anyways they keep their thing and then they rely on government to make these retarded policies to to knock to scare everybody for a bit right to knock the market off off kilter for a little bit and what we've seen over the last 30 40 50 years is that doesn't change anything it gives like little pauses or like the market adjusts because the prices just keep going up it's like okay you're gonna throw hst at us okay well the market's going up we'll just absorb it it ends up in the pro forma as another line and because the prices keep going up it still makes sense and that's that's been the cycle that keeps happening is as long as prices keep going up we can throw wrenches in and it'll absorb it and move on it's like this big gelatinous monster blob that just keeps eating up all the policy and you know absorbing it and moving on that's what the market here in toronto is a gelatinous blob (laughs) so i think we i think we have different opinions i think that you feel the uh, housing market right now um, can maintain its course and i feel like it can't i don't think okay I'm not saying prices will go down. All I'm saying is this. The rate of price increase right now is unsustainable. Yes, but we've been unsustaining this level of price increase for a very, very long time, and we keep figuring out how to manage it. No, I disagree. what, What we're seeing in the last couple months, we have never sustained for a very long period of time. It's always been only a matter of months that these huge increases come in and then something changes. And my, and my concerns are if the money is still cheap, and that's obviously part of the economy because we have two different parts here, Bank of Canada economy, you know, politicians, government, they could be um, looking at housing market separately. If the economic policies still allow for people to borrow super easy and there's just massive demand for housing and no one wants the condo market, the only thing that I can possibly come up with, which is what we predicted before, is a human behavior shift where everybody all of a sudden vaccine comes in everybody just their minds just shift towards condos are okay again so so do you want to start with your prediction and then i'll give my prediction for the next year Sure. Uh, 2021 we're going to see crazy 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 bidding wars in the first couple of months 
And um, unless human behavior changes for people are going to switch back into the Kona market, realizing why are you spending $600,000 on a dump in Oshawa when you can go and get a great condo in the city and, and be, you know, living in a much cleaner, nicer environment, right? That unless human behavior changes to the condo market, the government will step in with politicians will step in, not the Bank of Canada, for some sort of um, interruption to be able to slow people down and not continue to spread the insanity in the freehold market. There you go. That's my prediction. Excellent prediction. I think that what will happen in the next year, are we talking about the next year? Next year. Okay. So 2021, yeah. Housing, of course, is going to keep on booming, right? Rents for the first four to six months are going to keep on going down. Um, and then once this vaccine is starting to get, you know, out there more and more and people start going back to normal and immigration opens up again and schools open up again to, to the foreign students. And I think it's going to get crazy here. And I think they're going to just like just it, the market's going to get nuts here by the end of next year. It's going to mm -hmm. be insane. And I don't think there's these politicians are stupid enough to throw a wrench in it right now. I think they're going to do some stupid shit that's actually going to make it even worse. Um, and then who knows what will be the next year. But I think this thing is going to be so super heated next year. Second half of the year. First half of the year is going to be, you know, same as what we're seeing right now. But I do think that they will introduce something like a 905 you know, land transfer tax similar to Toronto, and it mm -hmm. won't have an effect at all because there's just going to okay. be so much demand from everybody. Condo launches are going to go crazy again. Like everything's just going to go kaboomers. Mm -hmm. That's what cool. I think. Yeah. I, um, and I think job growth is I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think, you know, there's, there's opportunity for everything. I think the rental part could definitely do exactly what you say, continue to drop. And until things get better, we're just not going to see it has to demand from it yet. It has yeah. to. But what, you know what's really confusing to me? Um, like we've been seeing inventory going up like crazy, but it seems like like the demand is matching it, right? Um, we're rental? outpacing. No, no, no. Overall, no. Our rental's a disaster. But housing, oh. housing, like no, because w what you're seeing is condo numbers. So mm. freehold is dropping. Okay, got it. Okay, so I'm looking overall, at overall. Got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got you've got you know some condos, but actually the condo condos are actually doing pretty well. The, the month over month, um, new listings dropped, and that's that's a good sign. Oh, and I forgot the what? absolute saving the grace. The absolute uh -huh. saving grace for the city of Toronto, no matter what. Garden suites could be coming soon to Toronto. Yeah. Like yeah. all 400 of them in the next couple of years are going to save everything. This is big news. Yeah. Just like the laneway has this. It's the same thing. Yeah. Just it's got a different package now. Well, they, they, what happened when they did the laneway housing is they forgot about coach houses and garden houses and all these other type of suites. Like mm -hmm. they, they kind of just skipped over those. They were thinking, I guess somebody was only thinking about laneway housing and they, and they, and they forgot and they said, well, geez, well, what about the same type of situation which is masked under creating more supply um we could just have the same principles applied and as long as we're meeting certain building codes and, and everything else too and ways for people to be saved for fire and um you know disturbing people's enjoyment of their own properties so you know different districts especially in some of the like you know etobicoke scarboroughs north york like places with the bigger lots there's lots of room for those things yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Well, well, this has been a great episode today, Daryl. Yes, it has. I agree with you. Hopefully everyone else does too. And we never even asked them to subscribe. Not even once. Damn it. No, and you know what? Not very many people did last week either. So I think that video was a slow one. That video is just a slow one. It's a slow week in real estate on the internet, on the YouTube. On the interweb. On the, on the intertube. Speaking of the intertube, 
I have an yes. article here that says these six tech tools could shake up real estate deal making post COVID. Let's talk about it next week. <laughs> Let's talk about it next week. Mr. I, I gotta, I gotta run. So I'll, uh, you run. I have somebody at my door. Okay. Apparently, we'll so chat later. I will talk Thanks for having soon. me on today. No, thank you. All right. New on Curiosity Stream, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.